0: welcome to fright school are you ready class is in session Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. Happy New Queer. Happy New Queer. We're still celebrating the new year. Everyone, if you saw our last or listened to our last episode, we celebrated 2023. So now we're actually getting into the content that that we're we're doing in january. <laughs> yeah to talk about uh, a movie we're doing our we're kicking off our it doesn't work as well for january saw you that doesn't sound as good uh, <laughs> it's our jigs- jigsaw you wary i don't know our- it doesn't work it doesn't work as well as like other no months but that's okay That's what we're doing. We are celebrating. It is the 20th, 2024 is the 20th anniversary of the original Saw film coming out in 2004. So we thought it was very appropriate to finally get into some of the Saw sequels. So that's what we're going to be doing all January long. So join us for that if you're listening. Here you are. But we'll get to that how's your new year going so far
1: you know what it's better than the last two weeks of the last year (laughs) i was just (laughs) like the holidays are awful
0: the holidays are awful but like let's hold on
1: let's let's get real let's get i shouldn't say that because
0: i actually love the i love the break that i had but um sorry can
1: we get tactile can we get tactile i'm like i had such a difficult time with the holidays this year like it was i keep saying it was like deferred it was like deferred grief From the previous year because I was like going through the breakup, not really looking forward to my first holiday season, not being in a relationship. And so I went a little more, I overcorrected and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to make this the best holiday season as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And then now my life categorically is so much better than it was the year prior. Received closure from my ex. Like, it's all very... It was all very nice, but... Work seems to be going well. Work's going well. Like, everything, for the most part, is going really well.
0: Everything's Um, going so
2: well.
1: And then something happened, like, the week before the week before the for Christmas, where I was just like, I just got so bummed out. And then I just have been digging myself out of that hole, right? Like I just proceeded to go to a place that was like, really just like, it was a depressive episode. And was it
0: spurred by something that happened?
1: Or just it was spurred by something that happened. It was spurred by something that happened that made me start to think about, I started to focus a lot on the ways in which my life is not complete. I see. Or it's one of those things where the new year is difficult for me because it's, oh, in many ways, I'm different from when I was the last year. Because yeah. like holidays, especially the holidays, are such a, it's such a marker of time, right? If you think about everything that has happened since this, that will happen, you know, again in, in the next year, there's so much unknown. And so like that anxiety of just the unknown of time which is very existential, but in many ways, like my life, focusing on the very specific, but like very big ways that m- my life is not ideally where I want it to be. But it's every day working those therapy, th- the working that like CBT of trying to be <laughs> like, no, that's like these intrusive thoughts, that's, and then comparison is the thief of joy, all this stuff. And then just some days just sitting in it, just like mm-hmm. allowing myself to lay down and be horizontal for most of the day and watch like mindless comforting television, nothing too challenging. Like it was A lovely reset in that way. And then when I returned to work on the second, I was like ready. I was like ready to go, ready to work, ready to do that very millennial thing of dive into work and kind of forget (laughs) about life and where to use work as a as a way to forget about my problems which I definitely haven't but yeah it was just really tough so I'm glad to be doing this again that was the other thing too I realized that I realized that I really missed you and I really <laughs> missed the show and like seeing Aww. you on a regular basis the OC just doesn't scratch this itch as as much and it's so Lovely to be back in the. It's video its with own you. thing, so it's yeah, just, and it's its own you know, thing. Like you can, yeah. it's but I need the I need that Joshua flavor. I need that <laughs> that lovely
0: horror Sherpa-ness. I miss that. I, yeah, I feel like Matt and I are we have similarities, but we're we're different energies. It's both, right? It's, You're you, the you yin and show. the yang of my yes. There world. we go. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, but things are just out of balance. Though you said something interesting that I think. It's been something that I've been learning about, not learning about, I know this about people is that we avoid pain at all costs, Pain, sadness, you know, negative feelings, right? It's such a bad thing to have a negative feeling. It's such a bad thing to be in like a sad space in our culture. And we really we want to avoid it at all costs. And I think that's been a big thing for me that I've learned this year about working with clients and working mm-hmm. with Started my practice experience is trying to tell people that, it's normal to be sad. It's normal to have a bad day. And in fact, sitting in those feelings is good for you and good for mm-hmm. us. That's what distress tolerance is really about. It's about the ability to sit in feeling a certain way, usually a negative emotion, instead of trying to distract away from it or instead of trying, but also not responding to it. Not responding to or reacting. Just being able to be like, man, I'm sad today. I don't need to answer why I don't need to do, mm-hmm. the, but I'm just being okay with that. I think a lot of us really struggle with that. So I'd wondered, cause I, for me, the holidays bring on some anticipatory grief of this is going to end. Like I have to take, yeah. it's like, I'm trying to rest. I'm trying to like, have some time to recharge, but it's going to be over. And I'm already like upset about that. Mm-hmm. So it was like more trying to pull away from those feelings rather than sadness about missing certain family members or not having certain things in my sure. life. Also, I get that we're so encouraged to tally up the year at the end. And a lot of times we focus on all these, I don't know, maybe it's both. Of course there's positive stuff, but we, we like to wallow to, like, the negativity and yeah. what's missing. So I get that. I'm sorry that you were going through that. But sure. it's also good. It's good for you. Yeah. And I got to say that I just love, I love
1: my therapist. I haven't officially made the leap. My therapist has now started their own practice. Mm. So I haven't made the leap or The leap yet, but I will be. I just need to see about taking a super belt. <laughs> and, but there was a moment where I think I was in the car driving I either was in the car or maybe I did it a couple times, but definitely once in the car and then once at the edge of my bed where I was just so, I was really in it. I was sitting with the feelings and I just said, I said out loud, I was like, I am sad. I am sad right now, but I will not be sad forever. I'm yeah. sad. I'm sad right now, but I will not be sad forever. And I felt so much better. Like I did, yeah. like I, that probably, that was the best I'd felt in a while before saying that it was lovely to be honest with myself about what it is that i was feeling
0: yeah yeah instead of trying to push it away or or distract from it sometimes yeah and it's we need to do things to get through the day so it's not like putting down distraction or avoidance of certain things but again it will hang around if you don't Mm -hmm. recognize and process so Mm -hmm. i think it's I think it's good. It's good. We are meant to have all the feelings. <laughs> and so sometimes trying to explain that to people, it's no, it's it, we're meant to have it all. We're meant to have a human experience. And so yeah, some yep. days are gonna suck. And it does suck. I don't like pain either. But I'm recognizing the value of it too.
1: I was recently a co worker of mine who is a is someone who has an MSW and did some clinical work. They were saying that conflict is not abuse. The idea that in the current landscape in which we live, people think any sort of conflict with other people is abuse and you're toxic. I think there was that article a couple years ago where it was just like, why is everything toxic? Everyone's misusing that phrase and misusing triggered and all of those things. And they were saying that recently. And I was like, yes, add that to my... So I'm adding what you just said, where we are meant to experience feelings, all the feelings, good and bad. And so I'm adding that next to conflict is not abuse in my reminder my mental reminders
0: yeah i love that and i yeah and i agree not like some people are narcissists and some people are jerks and there is a difference and knowing that difference is important yeah and if you want to know that difference folks uh, go to therapy and there we go cheers to trying to get our mental health under control in some way Or, or that's not even the right word under control but more of just yeah manageable em- embrace it it's part of self-care like mental health is part of everything so just don't forget to neglect what you need to to keep yourself together
1: switching in topics entirely yes because before
0: how was the retreat oh it was super fun I read oh man what did I do let's see I read oh I read this book by Danielle uh, Prescott called token black girl which was very fascinating because she was like she did all this work in fashion and but she talked about like how she didn't never felt like she was like fitting in and like how interesting it's been that all the things that she did to herself to decrease undesirable traits is now embraced and people are falling all over themselves to inject and stitch and pull and what to look like her very fascinating in mm. just in that one little way but also very i think it's really good i, I want to suggest it for like my program to maybe add it to books for because we almost always like in the program every semester end up reading a book or two about like mental health some mental health concern and then like writing treatment case plan all these kinds of things for the character in the book or the person in the memoir sure and she does a really good job of highlighting the medical prejudices and racist biases in medicine for black women yeah. especially mm-hmm. the way eating disorders get missed and all the that's specific because she's talking about working in fashion and she really oh. tracks yeah. her development from a very young age of like how her eating disorder development how her like body dysmorphia like how it developed and how it was like culturally influenced which yeah, i think yeah. is very important so really good book sorry to get off i'm just going to have to start like a a whole other podcast about mental health stuff but anyways i also read in a day i just couldn't stop reading it killers of the flower moon the osage murders and the birth of the fbi i know obviously that's very buzzy right now because of the film but i really had wanted to read the book and i just devoured it it was actually it was very good very interesting very sad i'm bummed that i already knew the story because of the film being out there being talked about because the book it's like a surprise i guess the film i haven't seen it yet I guess the film, like, right away about the conspiracy that's happening within it. But in this book... In the trailer, it's
1: very... Yeah. It's subtle, but it's as subtle as, like, a two-by-four coming to hit
0: you, right? Yeah. But the book, it's not... It, like, slowly develops where you find out who's all involved. And it, it was just like, oh, wow, this is so insane. I also read Hunter S. Thompson's Hell's Angels... Oh, um, classic! Out. Yes, very fun to to read. Wild. I'm like sitting in this like peaceful place, you know, in Temecula Wine Country, and the hot tub, listening to all the horrors of the Hell's Angels. So yeah, that that was very fun. I just it was just nice to do nothing but read and not feel like I was oh I should be reading school stuff or
1: whatever yeah i'm raising my hand you can't see it unless you're on patreon so shout out to our patreon but i'm (laughs) raising my hand because the one thing i want to ask when i saw the title is first of all i didn't know killers of the flower moon was a what was based on a book one investigative
0: journalism (laughs) uh
1: yes i want to ask was the fbi created to solve because of this Is that what the
0: FBI? I felt like that part of the story, like calling the book that, I didn't get as much of that. Um, Sure. I don't think so. It was just the dawn of it creating. Oh, it's in there, but I'm not sure if that's like the whole reason the FBI exists. The FBI exists
1: because of racism and this white patriarchy, but.
0: Yeah, they hinted some of like the establishment of it, and this being like a big case that they worked on in the early in the early part of the early history of the FBI. So, but I didn't really get as much of that part of it. It was really for me, I was just really invested in the stories of these people, uh, of the Osage, and just all the the horror that. I mean, it just, it it was enraging, you know, at times, like I was reading and just so enraged by that. And I did, I I was more interested in that than I was like the whole FBI aspect of it. Um, But that's because I have my own thoughts about policing and the FBI in general that I was just, I rolled my eyes at a lot of some of that, but yeah, I would recommend reading it. And they also, I love that they have a young readers version of it. So I'd be very cool to see this book get taught more because it really does a good job of tracking the way that they were the world would look very different if the osage had more control and it it was just super fascinating just Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways but also enraging heartbreaking all of those things
1: we need a bridgerton style show to show us like what a future in america would be possible if the osage (laughs) were allowed
0: to keep what was theirs Yeah, and operate autonomously. And it was just like all these different ways that they used. Again, it's just like anything like the oppressor attacks you and you act in self defense. And then they use that to prove you're savage. And they use that to prove that you're incapable of autonomy or incapable of your own. So it really does a good job of laying the foundations of some of the things that we believe about indigenous uh, tribal peoples here, like how how that was built up. And it was really interesting for them to show the hypocrisy of it because it's like they'd say, oh, they're buying cars or they're doing this. And they're like, yeah. And right over there is some white dude who built this huge 170 some room mansion with all the latest doodads and then just abandoned it to go spend millions of dollars to build another one without ever really living in that you know what i mean so it did a good yeah. job of showing this like real hypocrisy which again we know we see that all the time right but mm-hmm. they just i don't know, overall it was a good read i'd still would like to read i know there's some other books recommended you always see that come out right if you like killers of the flower moon read yeah. this instead or as well to get like another perspective but i think they did a good job of balancing anyways um, i know at the beginning of last year you had said you were going to try to read a book a month in 2023 yeah. did that happen did you actually no
1: <laughs> oh okay i read one book i read the okay. one book that i read okay. and i sincerely tried though i made it like a quarter of the way through a romance novel a gay romance novel called teacher of the year mm. and i got there i made it through but i didn't make it dent because it's all exposition there's no romance yet <laughs> Which is interesting because this book is on a lot of book talk, especially gay book talk, bookstagram lists as being one of the one of the better romance novels to have come out in 2023, but also one that is very spicy, erotic. And for me, it's just, okay, we, it's not in the first three, four chapters, so it make they really make you want to work for it which fine i'm all about a slow burn so i'll I'll try to pick that up and i did purchase i did purchase a bunch of books at the at meet cute in north park so if you're a san diego person meet cute is a romance novel book store independent bookstore which is it the store itself is really cute they also have a lot of different romance book clubs that you can attend but The it was so interesting to purchase books there and just be like, I want something that like rides the line between what I loved about red, white and royal blue is that there was actually a very intriguing political story in addition to it being like, very, very sensual and very erotic. I also think I just need to get back to trying to read other novels. Matt recently told me about my sister is a serial killer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which I want to read now. And just trying to get back into things that are really interesting. I I used to devour John Grisham books. I love a good twisty bendy thriller thriller
0: yes yeah oh i love that i'm I'm carrying this over okay you you want to read a book a month all right yeah i set my because i don't go for huge especially right now because of like my school reading i don't count in my like reading challenge stuff of course for the year even though it's geez i read so much more than I give myself credit for, but, uh, this year I'm trying to read cause I'll, I will turn 40 this year in, in December of 2024. And, um, so I want to read, uh, a book for each year published in each year that I've been alive. So starting in 1984, hey. so a book published each year is the challenge I'm doing. I stole from a, somebody in my book club and mentioned that she was doing that. I'm like, that's brilliant, especially for like my 40th year. So yeah, so that's going to be a fun challenge just to try to find books that are like interesting to me because I don't have this we've talked about this in the book club where some people struggle with reading older books, whether they just be like, oh, God, I can't read stuff from the 80s and the 90s, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like... I can read anything from any time period for the most part. Yeah. It's interesting if it's engaging. So I'm looking forward to challenging myself to that and also revisiting some books that I haven't read since that time. Oh, um, you know, yeah. I'm going to throw in some a books and stuff from my childhood and reread those that, yeah, that I haven't touched in 30 years or whatever. Yeah, that'll be fun. And I think the first book, the 1984 book is The Witches of Eastwick, which I have not read in a very long time. Uh, so I'm looking forward to re- uh, John Updike's Witches of Eastwick. So. That's what I'm gonna do for that. But you I'm not reading them in order because I that's almost that's near impossible. So I've already even finished a couple of them, a couple of the prompts because I read Children of Blood and Bone, which was published in 2018. So that's the 2018 <laughs> one. I also read real quick the Capote's Women about yeah. his like relationship with the Swans, which cause that feud is coming back with Kabodi versus sure. the Swans. That book was really fascinating, so I definitely recommend it. Lots of awful people to read about, which I enjoy. Oh my gosh, how have we already been talking for twenty minutes? I know you wanted to try to chat about Saltburn real quick. What did you I, want? About? Uh, well, did you want to take I, a bath, Joe? I really am just curious as to like your thoughts about it because I
1: don't think we've you and I have officially debriefed on it. And I saw it. My context is that I saw it. Wednesday before Thanksgiving I went in almost blind I've only I'd only saw the trailer maybe once or twice yeah. and other than that I did get spoiled on something but I got spoiled on the bathtub thing oh, okay. because of Twitter but I could I thought it was fake. Like Mm. (laughs) it's a spoiler alert and some sometimes people say spoiler alert and then it's not real. I thought it was legit fake. And so when I saw it in front of me, it was in a a crowded theater. That was the other thing. It was like it was a very it was a smaller theater, but it was packed. And to see it like on the big screen in front of me was just I felt very vulnerable. Because I'm like, I don't think I should be watching this in public, I, or at least I should. Something my my Catholic guilt is making me making me feel like I need to I need to seek absolution after this. But what was fascinating about the whole thing is that I'm not quite sure what it says about class, right? I don't really care about the class conversation as much as I care about what people talking about Oliver as a character as of a que- as a queer character mm-hmm. because i would venture like there is a queerness about Oliver but what i would venture to guess and i said this to I, you would be so proud of me joshua i said this to someone else i was like you know what i think with saltburn is that it's not that he it's not that Oliver is like wanting to like actually be with or fuck felix in a in that way he covets him And I said, and I literally texted out to someone. I was like, he covets him, much like in the same way that Bill uh, Buffalo Bill covets women. (laughs) I was like, Uh, not me referencing Tuck and Covet. Amazing, (laughs) but because I was because a friend of mine had just seen it too, like over New Year's, and I was just like, look, I think that it's not about him wanting to fuck him. Because if anything, like, the chemistry is more palpable between him and Venetia, but, like, the everyone is just a means to an end to get to achieve what it is that Felix has with such ease. And that's the other thing, is that you can see that transition at the end of the film where he, there's, there looks like there's an effortlessness behind, like, his being, like, his coolness and his swagger, in the same way that there's, like, this effortlessness with just Felix, because he never had to need or want anything. So uh, those are the main things. The the things that are shocking, or like I read a list of with on them. The publication them they released a list of if you liked Saltburn, here are other movies, queer movies that have also very like visceral and challenging, like erotic scenes. And one of them was like strangers by the lake. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely. (laughs) Like it was all things that I was familiar with. It was like short bus strangers by the lake, whatever that Gina Gershon bound. bound. Yeah. Yeah. All of these like things. I'm just like, okay, like it's for humans as imaginative as they are. Right. And as creative as we have been like, everyone thinks that something that they're watching now is the most groundbreaking and they've never seen anything like it. I'm like, yeah, but fucking Titus Andronicus, right. Or Titus and like all of these things we've, we have, it's always been there. It's just different.
0: Yeah. I feel like I'm still digesting it. I liked it again. Yeah. I, I'm, I wasn't like, Oh my God, this is especially like the bathtub scene. Cause that happens after the whole like menstruation makeout. So, no,
1: bathtubs happens before it. It's like the, it's two uh, scenes uh, after uh. that. Cause at New Year's, I had friends, we, I was promised that we were going to watch Saltburn and then that was taken away from me. And oh, so one on friend me. was like, Can you just show us the scenes that are just the most buzzy that, and I showed them bathtub scene and then fast forward a little bit to the vampire scene is what I keep calling it. Okay and then See, i, I only watched it once so in
0: my brain for some reason i had switched them but either way i think that's far more they're so close together too like they're yeah. just so close together but i thought that was far more shocking in a way than the bathtub scene because it's it's i don't know it's water and that's like an old saying oh i drink his bathwater, i drink her bathwater." Uh-huh. so for me it was i didn't get yeah. the shock of
1: that. i think it's a gwyneth stefani right is the no <laughs> that's an old saying that's you
0: know i'm thinking about the song bathwater Oh, no, I don't know that song. Like, um, no so doubt, I'm so out of touch with. Oh no, I'm not. I don't know that song. Oh my gosh! Oh, I in, okay. I will send that to you. But anyways, I I like the idea of what was the people were comparing him to? Oliver? Yeah, an animal. What's he compared to? Either way, I didn't think it was fitting. It's like he's a cuckoo, where it's yeah. they lay their eggs in other birds' nests, and then they take over. So it's like that idea, the bad seed, or these kind of older horror narratives. It might have been more interesting if, like, his... Because I know some people also compared it to the talented Mr. Ripley, which I've not seen since I came out. But I, I can remember some of, okay, that makes sense mm-hmm. somewhat. But then him, like, not being, like, super upper class like them, but it seemed like he had a pretty... It's like, I'm still sure. confused by what his why the whys of it all you know sure. i was just yeah, yeah, yeah. you know sitting there watching it like i i know i've got a lot to, i still have to think about it how i feel i do think that it told an interesting story i'm glad i love that song by the fuck my brain will not come sophie on. sophie ellis baxter yeah. murder on the dance floor i've loved that song for the 22 years that it's been out so much like running up that hill i love seeing that i love that it's if nothing else If the movie sucks or whatever, at least like that song is getting a lot of good attention, so I'm happy for her. Yeah, it ended up with over a million streams on Spotify for New Year's, and it's re-entered. It's the same thing; it's just having a a resurgence. So I'm happy to see all of that Mm -hmm. happen. The film itself was Rosamund Pike is great. I laughed out loud so many times with her character. She was like my. She was like my favorite thing about it for sure. Cause I also don't understand again. It's also my taste in men is not, is never feel. I feel like I'm always off track. It's like when I was Mm -hmm. a teenager or when I was like young and everybody like was in love with Leonardo DiCaprio, I didn't understand it. And I feel the same way about both both of the male leads. I don't underst- I don't see them as attractive people, so I wasn't mm-hmm. That part of it is a bit lost on me as well. Some of the, like the cultural conversation happening around it. G- act good act though. I I enjoyed good. watching the film. Great performances.
1: I yeah. don't think that we're not I don't think we're talking about Archie Mattaquay enough who plays Farley because mm. he was he to me was like the sexiest character of the entire Of the entire family and I think the reason why I like him is because his relationship to that money and that wealth and that and all of that is very tenuous he's born into it but it's like in asterisks also with a racial aspect of it too because he's black. Yeah, no, that's true. It's having
0: good conversations.
1: Yeah. But he's also, he's also the most explicitly queer character in the entire... Yeah. It's the only explicitly queer character in the entire film. And so to see him, it's really interesting what they're doing with his character because there's that point where Oliver calls him out at karaoke where he's just, what are you doing, Farley? I know you hate me. And it's, I don't hate you. And, you be- and I believe it, right? I don't think he hates him. But right. he just doesn't know... He just can't place him. Like he's, why are you coming for my gig? This is my gig. And... Right it's not even a situation where Farley's like taking advantage of the family because he is a part of it, but because of his race and because of how his relationship to it, you know, I, like I said, like, I don't particularly think like, I think Jacob Elordi is just tall and people are like, (laughs) I I think (laughs) people are just, uh, loving with that and i think that i mean Barry twinks keoghan, are always gonna be
0: yeah. <laughs> and, and Barry keoghan is fit and very talented yeah you no know? i enjoyed their acting and stuff but it's just the whole cultural conversation around it uh, is very interesting to me because i just didn't I, i'm not engaging with it the same way and i need to watch it again now that i know what's happening sure. in it but if i'm anybody in this i want to be carrie mulligan but with a yes. personality <laughs> her clothes are so great i love her character poor dear pamela um, all right. We've fooled around long enough. Let's We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to kick off our saw a with Saw 2.
3: Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And
2: I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the GeekScape Podcasting Network.
3: Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast.
2: We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to
3: podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help.
2: Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also.
3: You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information.
2: We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality.
3: Or
2: perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also.
3: You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information.
2: We're excited to help your podcasting dreams
0: become a reality. All right, welcome back. As I said earlier, we are kicking off our January deep... Dive franchise thing that's become a, a tradition with our Sawathon. Now we had covered Saw, the original Saw from 2004, in our original series, so you can hop back and listen to that if you want to hear back Baby Joe's earlier days, where he, where he wasn't quite as jaded as I'm sure he's become now that I've shown him so much horrific <laughs> stuff. I can't really shock him anymore with Saw filmed but yeah so we covered that then so today we're gonna talk about the first sequel saw two 2005 it's the first of four films in the franchise directed by darren limbausman because he did two three and four and then came back to direct spiral written by lee winnell and darren Mm -hmm. lee obviously Mm -hmm. was in the original as adam his thing anyways let's see who do we got we got donnie Wahlberg. awesome got a Wahlberg in the cast And then, of course, we have Shawnee Smith, Tobin Bell. We start to get a little bit more acquainted with Tobin Bell's character of John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw. And he plays a bigger role, obviously, in this more explicitly, because obviously he's a big role in it. But I just mean we get to spend a lot more time with him as a person. Yeah. Um, It's about a uh, abandoned house somewhere with a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of other folks and to play another Fun game yes. of chainsaws and what is it? It's like sarin gas. <laughs> is that <laughs> what it is? Of, just lots of torture or some, it's some kind of, I don't remember now. God, we just watched when it. When they but said, anyway.
1: you remember what happened in Tokyo? I was like, right. damn, that was a really dated, I hate to say it this way, but that was a really dated terrorist attack.
0: There you go. There's something that kind of informs. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start as always with what were your thoughts about finally seeing the sequel? to a movie we watched eight years ago.
1: <laughs> if I had watched this movie before I did my first escape room, I would never do an escape room. Because it basically... It was like that. It was basically the whole... I was like, whoever invented the escape room was like, you know, what if it was Saw Two but no one died? And you could get hints and actually survive. What if it was that? And, and that's what I think was so interesting about it. Also... Like, really cool to see Jigsaw perform on a larger scale, right? Because everything took place in that one room and flashbacks in Saw One. And so, with two, to have it be an entire house. And talk about you have what, two hours, right? To find basically a needle in the haystack, all the different things. And just the despair that I felt when that safe closed and it was like never to be opened again. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, damn it. So good. Uh, And so good in the manipulation of it, too. So... Just, it was a very good, I had a really fun time watching it, but it was also that makes me happy. <laughs> still very challenging. I don't know. I'm loving the song. Again, I think that with these films, I'm in the, in my development as a horror fan, I'm right where I'm supposed to be with these films because I don't, <laughs> I know it's like very far out of the realm of possibility for me. They're just fun traps and like the kills and you're always going to like the and The morality is also really clear, right? It's not ambiguous what the morality is. Like he told you it. Jigsaw, bring it to you every ball. I don't know. (laughs) He up front with you, right? He keep it 100. As they say, like he keeps it. You're fucking up. Your life is awful. And you're what you're wasting your life. Let's try to give this. I'm trying to give you a gift. You just need to be willing enough to try to survive and (laughs) i love the simplicity of staying on message
0: yeah i love so from this is saw two horror junkies guilty pleasure by zachary d-o-i-r-o-n he talks about they talk about jigsaw's god complex and Mm -hmm. so i love this throughout the franchise it's no secret that saw borrows a lot from christian mythology and jigsaw clearly has a god complex where he perceives himself as having extra privilege inflated personal abilities he much, and this is comparing him to the biblical story of Joe, Job, by putting these people's lives on the line, he believes that they will find a new love for their life. This is eerily similar to Job, where God has taken everything away from him in hopes that he will not give up his faith in him. In his own twisted way, Jigsaw recreates this infamous biblical story to horrific proportions. And obviously in this film, we start to see the I, what I think are like the bigger themes mm-hmm. of the Saw franchise as a whole, because again, we have a parental relationship being centered with Detective Matthew's son. What is his name? Daniel, Daniel Matthews. So Eric and Daniel, they're like contentious. So Jigsaw has taken this detective who's, who's corrupt, right? And taking his son, put him in a building full of people that his father is. Uh, Been involved somehow in their prosecution, right? And tells him his son's gonna be fine. Right, exactly. And tells him his son will be fine if he plays by the rules, right? Testing does he have the patience and the willingness to understand what he's gonna take him to the depths of, of feeling loss at a son that he's not really fully present for or involved in his life? And if he's willing to go through it, he'll be reunited with his son and hopefully he'll have a better appreciation. Of his life and his yeah. career. But, and we of course know how that goes. <laughs> but I, yeah, I always thought that was interesting. Go, go the double, if it's
1: like a double meaning of play by the rules, because when in Matthews's career, he didn't play right. by the rules because he forged evidence to put these people away, whether they deserved it or not, they still, right. they, whether they it is, process. yeah they still are guaranteed they still need due process that's the thing about jigsaw right jigsaw operates on his own morality and yeah he's already he picked the people he indicted but ultimately it was matthews who put them there and he did it not in he didn't play by the rules then right and him taking a shortcut and then also like him taking shortcuts is what led those people to be in jail now you have him like ultimately taking trying to take a shortcut that leads him to his own demise in that way it's really interesting the layers right yeah. and like jigsaw also is he's like a tricky leprechaun like it's very like you have to be like a genie almost like you have to be really specific about what it is that you tell him because like he's saying something that's very specific to you like we'll see that in three where we'll see that in three where he's talking to lynn but he's talking to amanda Like this one is just like, you just need to play the game
0: and the game is just sit here and talk to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. I like that analysis of kind of the, again, not that's new in horror, right? These kind of Christian Judeo sort of morality tales that can get wrapped up, but it's interesting to think of Jigsaw that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also I was wondering, were you surprised to see Amanda in the house?
1: No, because I knew that was probably going to happen because I saw X. Oh, okay. And I wasn't I wasn't surprised, but I also was like still riveted because I want to know how we get there. Like I wanna see how we get there. And then as everyone's getting picked off one by one, it's it's so interesting because like she knowing what I know that she's the plant, like she's part of the twist at the end, it's really interesting to See, oh, she's not she's doing things that's that that is advancing the plot but because she knows where they need to get to. She knows right. where it needs to end. So she can act a little bit more and she's trying to make it in this way. That's really irrational. And we need to get out of here. And how do you get out of the room and all that stuff? It's just so interesting.
0: Yeah. And I think they did a good job. I remember seeing it in the theater for the first time. And when she shut, it was like, what's going on? Why is she there? She like survived before. And of course they tried to explain it. Oh, she started using it or doing things that she had said mm-hmm. she would stop doing. And so of course it's, it makes sense that she's I played this game before, there are rules that there, there's a way out. And so she's working through that throughout the throughout the film. So it makes sense. And then you find out all the twists and like her involvement, I think is really is really great. But of course I still feel bad for her, even though knowing that she's the plant, like her getting thrown in that needle pit. It just makes it so terrible. I have this is yeah. my. Um, if you're over on our Patreon, you can see our what I'm holding up. This is a DVD of the of Saw Two that's signed by Darren Lynn Bousman because I met him during the road tour of Repo: The Genetic Opera when I was still living in Cincinnati. He wrote Stay Sick and Twisted, and I brought it because I was like, I really want you to sign this because it's. I am usually not very disturbed by horror films, but that the needle pit in that film was so disturbing. It like just shook me for ever mm-hmm. until it came out on DVD and I could watch like the making of and then I now it's like when I see that scene, I know what's going on. I'm able to like dis- disassociate from it. Yeah. That brings us to our word of the day, which is trypanophobia, which is an intense fear of needles, usually in medical settings, which I wouldn't say I have as much as I used to. <laughs> okay. I used to be really panicked. If I knew that I had to go get blood drawn or get an injection or something, I would just break out full sweat and just panic. Sure, get a full sure. panic attack about it. Now I'm better. Now it's, I just know I'll get through it. It'll be fine. I'm able to talk myself through it. But seeing that mm-hmm. scene, oh my gosh, that was so horrifying. But I thought, it, 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 I think we talked about this before, phobias are not listed as medical diagnoses it, you don't you're not diagnosed with trypanophobia you're diagnosed with an anxiety disorder which is a specific phobia and usually the phobia that you're it's oh cat's coming around it's blood injection injury mm-hmm. Is what the, is what the phobia is called and what i think is really fascinating about this I, I was reading this article called fight flight or faint why some people pass out when they see blood or feel pain usually when you have a phobia sure right you panic and you like, you know, your whole everything goes on alert, you know, right? You like run away from it. Um, but for some people, you know, they pass out by the sight of blood, which is might be linked to these like epigenetic factors, things that are like deep in like human just are like lizard brains. So if you are a person who when you see a needle, or you see an injury or a cut or blood that's real, that's like other people's because they don't have this with fake stuff, because it's like, what's fake, there's a degree of separation. But for actual injuries, Or when I see a needle or something used to be, it's like your body, it responds first with the phobia, like response the anxiety where everything like shoots up and then everything drops. So like your blood pressure will drop and like, you'll pass out. And it's really fascinating because it's like the body, like the brain interprets it as if it's been injured And it's trying to slow the blood flow down to protect us, right, from bleeding out. And so that's why some people like faint, maybe. That's one of these um, evolutionary thoughts is that, yeah, so for some, it's this adaption so that we can have, so we don't lose blood. It's like your brain interprets it as if we're, again, you're not thinking it, maybe. It's just it happens because of this, like possibly a deep lizard brain thing which i think yeah. is like super fascinating i love that kind of stuff i love the yeah. what's that what's the word the evolutionary functions of like certain phobias and fears fascinating yeah so with this that was like my experience of salt for the longest time and there was like so hard to watch again and even rewatching it with you like every it's so visceral it's like i can feel that and i'm just no. like poor amanda And she's there, to. she's like part of the thing. And then, I don't know, it's just... It was so interesting too
1: to watch it with you because I know that about how you know your history with this film and it's okay. In in the beginning of Fright School, it would have been like, Joshua could barely make it through, so we'll see how (laughs) Joe does. And then it was also really interesting to see that we've come full (laughs) circle, you and I, because I was like watching both films the entire time and you were working on your (laughs) Batcave Yeah, this you were true. like actively distracting yourself
0: from the hard parts yeah. but no i like, I, I like looked because it's it good yeah. to challenge myself but it yeah it's freaky oh my gosh yeah can i ask what
1: can i ask if there's like other like maybe one or two other films that have either films that we haven't done or have done that affected you in the same way as this as the needle pit scene
0: Not in that. I mean, that always comes up immediately. That was such a um, strong (laughs) memory. And that's really like hard to top. Because it's such a real thing for me. Like ever since I was a kid. It's like when I was like a baby or when you're going early days as a toddler to go to the sure. doctors and I would just fight and kick and do everything. Bite. I was not a good patient for that. So there's mm-hmm. something clearly if we're if we subscribe to this evolutionary developmental theory of phobias, mm-hmm. somewhere in my past, the my this trunk of DNA that that inhabits me, this ancestral tree. My people had a very serious threat of spiders because I also have a very irrational fear of spiders. Same. And, and yeah, obviously some kind of blood injury <laughs> that just lives in me. Cause it's like, I've never had, like, I've never been bitten by a spider. Cause that's, that, I guess that's another thing. Like there are some for a long time, arachnophobia was like that. Until I realized, like it's it's a comedy. I got a better developmental sense of what the movie was doing and the ridiculousness of it. So it doesn't. I don't respond the same way. But for a long time, I, it was hard to watch that. in like Kingdom of the Spiders would just keep me up all night. Or I, I and I do have nightmares occasionally about spiders. That's um, those are not fun. But it's like I've never had a bad experience. Knock on wood with a spider, and I've never. Um, But needles is different. I do have like memories of like nurses like grabbing and trying to inject you. So I guess it doesn't even have to be an ancestor, but because it's pervasive, you have giant a giant spider on your house. (laughs) No, it's true. I'm into like confronting it a a bit to some degree, and I think a lot of spiders are very beautiful. They're very interesting creatures and like what they do. I just don't really want them in the house. No, and I even still try to capture them and take them outside. Sure, yeah, I try to be kind to spiders. I yeah. let other people be kind to them, either too. Did I yeah.
1: tell you that I was once hypnotized for to try to help with my fear of spiders? Oh
0: no, fascinating! Yeah, I was Did hypnotized.
1: It, help? it helped. It actually helped. It hasn't. I guess the side effects. It, has, it was not long lasting. Like I could probably use another session, but it really helped. It was also the first time I'd ever been hypnotized, and I felt like I was. A, I felt like the whole process took maybe ten minutes, and the my friend who did it, he was like, You've been out for <laughs> wow. it was also the most refreshed that I had been. It was someone that we know, I'll tell you offline, but it, huh. it was really
0: interesting. Cool. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I've never thought about being like hypnotized as I'm in ai intellectualize enough that it's like I can separate out. Sure. And again, there's a whole like evolutionary theory about the fear of spiders. I'm trying to think. I don't like movies where people like burn to death. This movie also has, that's a really hor- yeah. horrible scene too, where he's where Obie's in the, in like the, it almost looks like a crematorium kind of thing. Okay. I had read that originally the house was supposed to be a funeral home of some sort with the, that whole thing, but maybe that was an abandoned concept. So they made the, I don't know what that was supposed to be, part of a boiler or heating system. I don't know. Whatever. Point is that's horrible. I don't like that. There's another saw film later on where somebody's is burned, and that's I don't like those kinds of deaths either. That taps into a very real fear. I definitely would rather freeze to death, I think, (laughs) burn to death, but I'd rather not do any of those things, right? I would yeah, I would rather live. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's those are the big those are the big things. Yeah. Anytime if anybody asks me, oh, okay, what's the word? I'm like, oh yeah, saw two needle pit that is it's, it's it, it hits in a few things. It's not only the needle aspect of it that's horrible when you're like thinking about like, being in it and like sticking your hands and you getting stuck when she crawls out of it and they're all sticking out of her awful. But it's and also she's a filthy. junkie. She's a junkie, so yeah. there's all of that going into Yeah, but it's also just the pit itself is gross. It's like they did everything they could to make it look like a filthy discuss it's just like germaphobe nightmare of a pit so yeah. there's just like a lot going on in it that's really disturbing to me and thinking about being yeah. like cut with some rusty old needle is horrible horrible yeah. <laughs> no. I agree all right what else can we say about saw two there's it's Again, I really like how you brought up the ambiguous sort of morality of it. We start getting into more of that because it's like, there's part of you that wants to sympathize with John. We know he's sick. We know he's trying, he, in his mind, is trying to teach people to love life because he has so little of it left. And People should not be doing harm to other people. Like there are these kind of like, the wholesome messages and what he's trying to do even though it's obviously it's horror and but even within that it's also the people in the house there's yeah. some of them that are have done really horrible things some of them who it's like there's a lot it's very mixed and so it's you were supposed to feel bad for some of these people and then you really don't especially what's his name the really awful guy is oh the savior. scalper yeah is that frankie g is that his name is that who i'm thinking of oh yeah that ugh. That whole sequence where he's like trying to cut his tattoo off. Yeah. And then trying to get the others. Yeah, that's him. Frankie G. Yeah. So it's hard to feel sorry for some of the people in it too. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, I had to agree. I read one one review of the hand trap in it. Seemed like yeah. it's horrible to, to watch. I realize I say that word in two different ways. Sometimes I say horrible and sometimes I say horrible. That's so weird. I just noticed that. Anyways, I don't know. Man, maybe it has to do with the words that come before it. I mean, which, which one you of your personalities this- is saying horrible? <laughs> right? I don't know. It's horrible, but yeah, it's like couldn't you push? It's like you could push it open with one hand and hold it open, and then your other hand could go in. So it it seemed like an obvious trap not to get stuck in. Which I don't know. I, I was maybe. Would you know that? I thought that was an interesting. Yeah, because
2: also,
1: like, why would
0: if you knew one hand yeah. was stuck, why would you then? put your other hand in just that trap is dumb. But again, yeah. she's very sick. They're wandering around this house. So their brains aren't yeah. functioning properly. So maybe it's not a kind criticism, but I was like, yeah, that's the one that it's gross thinking about digging into her hands and like dying that way. is just awful, but it's also a really dumb. Well, this hand is caught. You don't put the other yeah. <laughs> wrist,
1: sit, wrist slitting stuff is oh, worse yeah. than like throat slitting stuff. Right? Yeah. Like I, I'll watch a throat slit (laughs) any day, but I cannot watch a wrist
0: slit like I can. Wrist slit? I love a A wrist slit. Oh, the other thing I do like about this is it starts to introduce, because in the first movie, it's like happening in real time. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. love like the twist of this too, is that it's already over. So it's it's almost Mm -hmm. like reality TV. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're watching yeah. this, these events unfold, but it turns out they already happened. So I really like that twist too. And that kind of sets up nicely with other Saw films that kind of play with time, you know, cause there's a mm. few, like some of the films like we'll watch later are happening at the same time as other films. So it expands, but you don't know that yet. So oh. that's really interesting. And then sometimes it goes back in time to show other. So it's like, I, I do. I really, I've always enjoyed the way that saw plays with that, with like chronology and, interesting the people who who wrote these like going back and be like let's pull that thread out and tell a a story extended so i i love that kind of stuff and so i enjoyed that this film starts setting that up but we don't know it yet when you first see it yeah you do because you've seen others that sort of spoil that a little bit but going to it for the first time it was like what so there's already over it's not a live tape. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is
1: that they're like, what you've just revealed to me is that there's precedent for what saw X did. Right. Which oh is, yeah. Like, have definitely. a film that's happening in between right. other films. So there's precedent for playing with the
0: temporal like of yes. where we are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's why I wasn't too surprised when they wanted to go back and insert something. So they've done that before. It's not all that shocking. Maybe not so many years after, because you're doing like these for a while came out back to back. It's 2005, six, seven, eight, some nine, I think. And then they took a little bit of a yeah. break and came back. But for a while, it was coming out back to back. So then you'd, be, you'd watch a whole movie and then it would show these sequences that are like, oh, this is the same. Time as that, or this is, oh, or that's what was going on behind the scenes of like that. So it's, yeah, it's very inter- narratively complex. Built a very big web. By the time it ended the first time, it was, ooh, that is quite a story <laughs> we put together here. So this kicks off that. Yeah, so that's another one of the things that I do enjoy about this. is setting up what's to come and does a really nice job of fleshing out John a little bit more. The reveal that, you know, Amanda's in on the whole thing. She's become like mm-hmm. an apprentice, Padawan, disciple, wh- whatever word you want to use to jigsaw. And then helper. That, and then we'll see that further developed in Saw 3 next week. Um, helper. Exactly. Padawan, um, disciple, helper. Yeah, all those things. <laughs> Yeah, so I I just it does a nice job of of setting those things up. I don't think overall because I don't know I have mixed feelings about Johnny Wahlberg. There's definitely stuff to like not like about this review wise, but as a as a piece as as a sequel, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's terrible. I think it does a great job of setting up what the franchise would become and exploring some bigger themes. Yeah,
1: it's Saw One stands on its own and could be its own thing. Saw Two just it does a good job which most sophomore movies in a franchise fail at is that it elevates it not elevates but it it takes the theme of it and just blows it up a little bit more and makes the world bigger and that's what like scream 2 did yeah. really successfully so that's what like this one does successfully too so i'm very it did it prepare me for saw 3 no you'll have to listen to our next episode to hear my thoughts on that but (laughs) like it was nice to start establishing some
0: norms yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to seeing as this goes on what you think about the other movies that you've not seen which again is just it's so funny because it's like you've seen Mm -hmm. so many other things (laughs) so getting some more of the story it's going to be interesting to see what you think of it uh overall Uh, When you step back at at having completed all the films, yeah. All right, with that, that is all too. We hope that you're having a good start to your year, a new year filled fear. We hope, yes, (laughs) a year filled with fear, fun. Fear, though, like this, as we are in an election year, and I do, I do not expect things to go well. But <laughs> that's the cynic in me. Do they ever go well, though? I guess it's the real thing. I mean, depending on who you are,
1: well, something yeah. is not going to go well for somebody. Yeah. So it depends on what who who you are. But it, it will not be it will not be something that
0: everyone will be happy about. Let's put it that right. way. Right there, we go. Ugh great way to end the second uh, episode of the year thank you for listening as always we appreciate you we, we just yes so much dear listener keeping us in your earballs. <laughs> and joe of course i adore you and i look forward to next time Looking good night forward to it